Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Angela Bliner, joined alongside my co-hosts, Campbell Klein, Dean McCollum, and Tyler Fertel. Today's episode will feature discussions about eight upcoming possible NBA offseason moves. All right, let's get started. Our first offseason potential move is between the Thunder and Chris Paul. So do you guys think the Thunder should move Chris Paul and trade him to a different team? And what teams do you think have a realistic chance of going after Chris Paul? And do they have what it takes to get him in a trade? Dean, we'll start with you. Um, so I'm going to be honest. I think that the Thunder should capitalize on Chris Paul's trade value right now. He's coming off an amazing season, as we all know. He made an all-NBA team because all-NBA teams were just released a few days ago as of the time of the recording. And yeah, Chris Paul's value is probably the highest it's ever going to be for the rest of his career. And teams like the Bucks, I think that uh, should trade for Chris Paul, a team that could really use them, definitely the Bucks. Eric Bledsoe, as we all saw, who's horrible in the playoffs, maybe a key contribute, uh, maybe a key thing to as to why the Bucks lost in that second round versus the Heat. So they could definitely use a player like Chris Paul. But uh, Chris Paul has a forty-four million dollar. He's on a forty-four million dollar contract, which is pretty hard to move. But if the Thunder can get like an Eric Bledsoe centered trade for Chris Paul, then I think the Thunder would agree to it, as they're a semi young team. Yeah, Dean, I agree with you. I think that it would be smart for the Thunder to trade Chris Paul. I think they can get a good amount of youth talent um, for him and maybe a couple picks. I think that a team like the Bucks, who want to win next year, to keep Giannis, are gonna maybe give a little too much for Chris Paul because he is. This, yeah, like you said, this is going to be one of the last years that he's going to be too good, and I think he'll definitely go on the downfall. But I think he'll be the all, an all-star for the rest of his career because he really has – he can really develop chemistry very quickly with uh, players. But I think that a team like yeah, like you said, the Bucks, or maybe other teams that might not have as good of point guards but want to make a run in the playoffs, I think they would be a smart move for both teams. Well, uh, another team I think could go after Chris Paul and should go after him is the New York Knicks. So uh, we have Andrew here pretty happy, and I think uh, the Knicks should go after Chris Paul. You know, the, the Knicks aren't going to be in playoff contention next year. I think that's pretty clear to all of us. But I think Chris Paul can really build team chemistry there and really just, like, bring a winning culture to New York that can really help the future of the franchise. And obviously the Knicks don't have outstanding, like, generational talent anywhere on this roster. So there's no reason not to attack Chris Paul and just try to make a change, try to bring some winning to New York. Okay, so I agree with Campbell said um, about the Knicks being a Knicks fan. I hope they can trade for Chris Paul. That's one of the guys I'd like to see on the Knicks to help those young guys uh, grow and develop and bring some uh, team chemistry and morale to the Knicks franchise, maybe uplift uh, the fans who have had some really had just consecutive years of terrible losing. Uh, in terms of the Bucks trade, I think it's Chris Paul would fit really really well with Giannis, but they would have to give up. Guys like George Hill, Ersan Ilyasova, Bledsoe, guys that are on big contracts, and also a ton of first-round picks because the Thunder wouldn't let go of Paul George unless they got five first-round picks from the Clippers, and Chris Paul is arguably playing better than Paul George is right now. So I think the Bucks would have to give up a ton, but the Bucks owner came out and said that they're willing to spend into the luxury task the luxury tax and they're willing to do whatever they can to uh, help uh, give Giannis the help he needs to win a championship. So I think that's definitely something to monitor and look after. Um, Speaking about Campbell with your Knicks point, Chris Paul to the Knicks. I just don't like, I can see that happening, but the thing is I don't really see uh, the thunder getting enough out of that trade offer because it's not like the Knicks are going to be willing to trade their two best players in RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson for Chris Paul. There's no way they would do that because they want to try and form a young core with them in a future draft pick. But like 
if they the Thunder were receiving like a Julius Randle centered trade for Chris Paul and maybe like picks, like I just don't see them doing that because Julius Randle's on a bad contract. Even if they threw in Kevin Knox, I still don't think that the Thunder do it. I still think they take another trade offer because I bet a bunch of teams are going to try and go up for Chris Paul next season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Chris Paul. Uh, Dean, adding to what you're saying about uh, uh, Knicks and Chris Paul trade, I think it's the other way. I don't know if the Knicks, it's worth it for the Knicks to do it. Because like you said, the Knicks are not going to be championship contenders in the next five years when Chris Paul is still at all-star caliber. There's no point in them spending that money on a player that he'll just be on their team. I mean, they might want to do it for recruitment because a lot of players want to play with Chris Paul, but I just don't see it if they – I don't see the reason why they would do that and then not get anything out of it and then lose the opportunity to sign a lot of good young talent. Exactly. Like uh, the Knicks could play through the draft. Uh, There's an insanely talented upcoming draft class next season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Chris Paul this offseason. That is definitely a very interesting uh, offseason there for Chris Paul. All right, we're going to move to our second uh, topic here. So the next one is, should the Kings look to trade Buddy Heald? Um, another notable fact about the Kings offseason is Bogdan Bogdanovich. They're young, small forwards, a restricted free agent. Um, Buddy Heald, he's a great shooter, great 3-and-D player. Um, I'll just say something quickly first about this one. If I were Buddy Heald and if I were Buddy Heald's agent, I would be asking to leave the Kings right away. The Kings have like the worst win percentage out of NBA franchise of in all time. The Kings, they just don't make the playoffs. I don't think De'Aaron Fox is the can can be the number one player on a team, and no free agents are going to Sacramento. It's not a very attractive location. So if I were Buddy Heald, a nice young player, he can really shoot the ball well. I would want to get out of there and go to a better team, a team that has a better culture, better fun offense, more young talent. Um, yeah. So if I were Buddy Heald, I would not want to be in Sacramento uh, any longer. So I think that, yes, the Kings should look around to trade Buddy Heald. I think De'Aaron Fox is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. He's very talented. He just doesn't have a very good team around him. Marvin Bagley, their former first-round pick, has been injured basically his whole career. Buddy Heald is a good shooter. And Bogdan Bogdanovich, a restricted free agent this coming offseason, I think that the Kings should want to keep him because he is a very promising talent. But I think that the, uh, the Kings should ship around uh, Buddy Heald, because I think a team like the Lakers or the Bucks need one more shooter on their team, um, a shooting a shooting guard who's a good shooter to maybe complete that team. And I think that the Lakers, who are championship contenders this year, I mean the Bucks are out, but the Lakers are championship contenders this team. I think that this year, I mean, I think that they're gonna wanna they, they might wanna go after one more shooter this offseason. I think that Buddy Heald could potentially be a good player to go after. Uh, yeah, I do think I agree with both of you guys on the Buddy Heald argument. I do think that the Kings should look to find a trade for Buddy Heald because he had a, a bit of a down season. He had a bit of a disappointment, uh, a disappointing season this past season. I mean, he was one of the best shooting guards in the league last year, if you think about it and look back onto it. And this year, he just wasn't as good, simply. And the Kings obviously were one spot out of the playoffs last year. And Obviously, Marvin Bagley being out really hurts them. Obviously, drafting Marvin Bagley really hurted them, as they could have gotten Luka, Jaron Jackson, Trey Young, all those guys, obviously. But I do think teams like the 76ers could really use someone like Buddy Heald. I was talking to Campbell about this a few days ago, and we both agreed that like maybe a Buddy Heald for Al Horford trade, obviously the Sixers would have to throw in more picks because uh, Al Horford, uh, the Kings were interested in signing Al Horford last offseason, uh, but he ended up uh, choosing Philadelphia. 
And teams like the 76ers could definitely use Buddy Heald since they lack shooting heavily. And Buddy Heald may be the answer to solve all their bad shooting problems. And maybe Sacramento's still interested in Al Horford this season, although he had a down season. So I don't know if that trade gets done, but another team, like Tyler said, maybe the Lakers, but also the Rockets could use Buddy Heald a lot because he could be really good in the small ball rotation. So uh, as Dean was saying, we already talked about this a few nights ago, so he really sort of covered it. But as he was saying, the 76ers, after losing J.J. Redick last offseason, they never really replaced their shooting. They just sort of hoped that Josh Richardson would be able to sort of fill that shooting space, and he was not able to. And then their midseason trade for Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson didn't fix it at all either. And they weren't a terrible three-point shooting team during the regular season, but in the bubble they were – absolutely terrible they weren't able to win a game so uh yeah I think Buddy Heald could definitely fit with that 76ers team um something interesting that I heard about your trade is that I've heard uh trade rumors uh Dean was right uh, about the Kings wanting Al Horford they were one of the potential teams that would have offered him the big contract he got and if they were to make a trade to a Kings they would have to throw another player and a player that I've heard a lot uh that could potentially be in a trade is Harrison Barnes who can space the floor and also play really well alongside Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Uh, so maybe a trade that also packages Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes in terms of the fit and also his contract to match up with Al Horford will be good uh, for the Sixers if they can pull that off. Um, all right, so we're going to go to our next offseason move now. So should the Warriors trade their number two pick and or Andrew Wiggins, they can package those two assets in a deal so do you think the Warriors should trade their second pick and or Andrew Wiggins to compete for a championship next season Tyler we'll start with you um so I think they should trade Andrew Wiggins personally I think that he doesn't fit in their offense very well they're a shooters team and I think that yeah Andrew Wiggins is a small forward and you can shoot pretty well I just don't think that He's the best fit there. And I think that, personally, I think they should keep their second pick. I mean, people are going to say, oh, they're already championship contenders. They can get a lot more talent out of it. I think that James Wiseman is a player that is, he plays more experienced than maybe some other players in this draft. And I think that if the Warriors want to go on a playoff run next year, it might be smart to get a big man like James Wiseman in the draft. And I think that he would fit very well because he's not a shooter, but he can get all the rebounds that, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry missed. So yeah, I think that there's a bunch of opportunities there. I think that there's always the chance that they make, may they can maybe trade Andrew Wiggins and that second pick for maybe a more established player and then move down to a team like maybe, for example, the Knicks, who might want to move up to that second spot or something like that. So I think that yeah, they should ship it around. They should definitely ship um Andrew Wiggins around because I think that it would be worth it to trade him, but I don't know about that second pick. It just depends who offers them. Um, I'm going to disagree with you, Tyler. The only reason I'm disagreeing is that I just don't see a viable offer any team will offer for Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he's making about $25 million a year. And to be honest, uh, that's a bit overpaid, in my opinion, for a player like Andrew Wiggins. Obviously, like you said, he doesn't really fit in their offense, which is true. But uh, I just don't see any team like making a deal for Andrew Wiggins, like teams, like you said, the Knicks might uh, make a deal for Andrew Wiggins. But the thing is the Knicks aren't going to take on Andrew Wiggins, crazy salary and uh, just totally uh, close out the chance of them getting a top free agent in 2021. So that, so that's why I don't really agree with that. Like Andrew Wiggins is just on too much of a big contract 
to just easily trade. He's not that easy to trade since he's on a big contract. And going to the second pick, I, I agree with you there. I think the Warriors keep that pick unless they get an insanely good offer that they cannot resist. James Wiseman, I think they should draft him definitely if Anthony Edwards doesn't go first. So I think they keep the second pick. And But the thing is, I don't see Andrew Wiggins on that team the next two seasons, but I don't see him getting traded this offseason. Well, to go off what Tyler and Dean were saying about whether or not they could trade Andrew Wiggins, I don't, I don't really have that much info on all the logistics, but I don't think Andrew Wiggins is going to mesh too well with that Warriors offense. But obviously, if they don't get a good trade, they're not going to accept a trade where they give up more than they're receiving. So, yeah. And I personally think the Warriors should try to trade their second pick. Already, the Warriors have said they don't really see like any shining star in this year's draft other than Anthony Edwards, who is most likely going to go number one. Um, once again, I don't really have an example of where they could trade it. They could try to trade for that New York pick, because I know the Knicks are interested in LaMelo. But once again, I don't know what the Knicks are going to give up to get that number two pick. I'm just putting this out there. I don't know if this is a very smart thing to say, but a potential trade could be the number two pick in Andrew Wiggins for Mitchell Robinson in the eighth pick. I think that both teams would be pretty interested in that. I think that the Mitchell Robinson would be a big presence in the middle that could fit pretty well with the Warriors. I don't know if the Knicks would do that because he also, in my perspective, is a rising star. But if they think Andrew Wiggins could be someone that they would like to have and maybe a LaMelo Ball or James Wiseman on that team too, I think that, I mean, that could be a win-win for both teams. Okay, well, first, uh, I'll, I'll get to what Tyler said in a second, but first, I'll just like to talk about, I think that the Warriors, like Campbell said, they've already come out and said that they're not looking to really draft someone, and they are looking for a big man. So even if they were to draft someone like James Wiseman, I think that it wouldn't be as good as trying to trade for someone that's already in a, st- a good established center in the NBA right now because Wiseman might need time to develop. In terms of Andrew Wiggins, I feel like he fits fine in the offense. I feel like if they don't get a good offer, like they're not just going to trade him away. I feel like maybe they could trade him away for picks to maybe package a ton of picks to a team like the Knicks who, could, who are looking to trade up in the draft. The Knicks are not giving up Mitchell Robinson, Tyler. Um one thing the Knicks have actually realized, which is smart in their front offense, is that Mitchell Robinson is a very good young piece, and they are not going to be giving him up no matter who's on the table. They're, um, he's going to be the next center for the next decade for the Knicks. So I think that's out of the picture. But guys like Kevin Knox and Fregnant Nitilakina, who actually the Warriors have said that they have potential interest in uh, Frank, which that's surprising to me, but that could help the Knicks in a trade to trade up. Yeah, I agree with you on the Knicks. Uh, like I said earlier in the Chris Paul scenarios, I just don't see them giving up their top two players, Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett. One, Mitchell Robinson's making like $1 million a year, and Andrew Wiggins is making $25 million a year. That just makes absolutely zero sense for the Knicks to trade for Andrew Wiggins, even if they're getting the second overall pick, um, because then that just lessens totally lessens their chances, actually, of getting, even if they don't get him, which they probably won't, like a Kawhi or a Giannis or an Anthony Davis in 2021. So it just doesn't really make sense in my opinion. Yeah, it was just kind of a weird idea. I didn't, I mean, I'm not, obviously I'm not as educated on the Knicks front office as Andrew is. So I was just putting it out there because I'm not, I don't really know their contracts very well, but you know what? We'll see. We will see you. All right, Tyler. All right. Um, Our next upcoming offseason move is, one that's extremely relevant um, to the NBA playoffs. So the, the Clippers, they just blew it through and lead to the Nuggets, and they have some big offseason questions coming up. Um, one, 
is they have a couple free agents. So Montres Harrell, um, Marcus Morris, and Reggie Jackson are all um, they're all unrestricted free agents. And well, they got Marcus Morris uh, right before the trade deadline from the Knicks, uh, who was on an expiring deal. I'm pretty sure he had a team option for the Knicks, so I'm not sure whether that makes him. I know he's a free agent. I don't think he's restricted, so I'm pretty sure um, he's unrestricted. So he's probably going to get big money. There are several teams, like in my opinion, the Raptors uh, and the Hornets, that have come out and shown interest and said that they would pay Montrezl Harrell big money. Um, he obviously plays really well with Lou Williams. There, he's a huge part of that second unit. He won Sixth Man of the Year, so I feel like he's important for the Clippers to sign. Um, Reggie Jackson, I don't know if they'll end up resigning, re-signing him because Reggie Jackson might get a little more money than the Clippers have to give him, and the Clippers, you know, they're trying to compete for a title, so maybe uh, they might have to use some of that money to retain Harrell and Morris that they would give to Jackson, so he might leave, but also we saw in the playoffs that Reggie Jackson did not have very many minutes, so he wasn't exactly very valuable to uh, that team. Uh, Campbell, what do you think uh, about these free agents? Well, I think the Clippers' main priority this offseason should be to re-sign Montrezl Harrell. Uh, this past season, he was on like a $6 million deal, which is absurd for the level of play he was playing at. As we all know, uh, Montrez coming off the bench was terrifying. He just brought like a ridiculous level of energy, and I don't think the Clippers can afford to lose that. He put up the best stats of his career this season, so I think they got to pay him the big bucks. And then I think the second priority should be to re-sign uh, Morris. Morris was traded to L.A. for a first-round pick, so it wouldn't make much sense for the Clippers to let him walk after playing only 19 regular season games. And then I think the smallest of the Clippers' priorities is to re-sign Reggie Jackson. Andrew is saying he might be able to find more money elsewhere, but Jackson in the past has said he, at this point, wants to go find a championship and play for a contender. Yeah, like Campbell said, it's definitely a huge priority to try and keep Montrose Harrell back in L.A. because there are teams, like Andrew said, the Toronto Raptors and the Charlotte Hornets, depending on who they draft in this upcoming draft, are super interested in Montrose Harrell. And he's the biggest uh, free agent center this offseason. So he's definitely or most likely going to get paid $25-plus million from a team that's really thirsty for a, a starting center, a really good caliber starting center. So... Yeah, I think the Clippers really have to decide, is Montrezl Harrell worth $30 million? If not, then they go out and get maybe like a downgrade at DeMarcus Cousins, maybe like a JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, any any center. But preferably Montrezl Harrell and also Marcus Morris coming off a very good season, one of the best of his career. Um, teams like uh, who need shooting wings, 3 and D wings, people who can shoot the three ball really well and play really good defense, Teams like the Portland Trailblazers could really use someone like Marcus Moore, so he's definitely going to get some good offers. And the Clippers have a lot to do this offseason, so it'll be interesting to see what they do and how they play their cards. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Dean. I think that, um, for example, I think that Montrezl Harrell, he was the sixth man of the year in the regular season, as we talked about, but he was relatively disappointing in the bubble. I mean, he feeds off the crowd noise, and when there was no crowd, he didn't have as much energy, and I think that the Clippers should definitely want to keep him. You want to keep your sixth man of the year, and I think that him and Lou Will, like we said, play well together, so I think that, yeah, they should try to retain him, but if he wants to leave and go to a team like the Raptors or maybe even the Celtics, I think that, I mean, if they offer him a lot of money. I don't know if the Clippers will be able to keep up with that. 
And then, like we talked about, Marcus Morris, he was, for me, it seemed like when they traded for him, he was a one-year player. They were trying to win a championship this season, and he, he was a piece that they wanted. But for me, since they didn't win it this year, I think that they might want to keep him for next year. I think that he could be a smart piece to sign to another one-year deal to try and win another championship next, or their first championship next year and have another um, be, be a contender again. And I think that Reggie Jackson, he's a good backup point guard behind Pat Bev. I think that he's way better on offense than Pat Bev is, and he's not a bad defender. I think So I think that if they can re-sign him next year, I think that he might deserve that starting job over Pat Bev. And so, yeah, those are my – I think that, yeah, it's interesting what the Clippers are going to do this offseason. Also talking about Paul George. He um, – there have been talks. I mean, not talks in the front office of the Clippers or anything, but there have been rumors that – the Clippers are interested in trading him. So I don't know where they would trade him to. I don't know if they should trade him. He's a very good asset, and he is an all-star player, caliber player every year. So I, I, don't, I don't think they should trade him, but if they get a good enough, good enough offer, you never know. Before we move on to the next one, I'll just comment on what Tyler said really quickly. Um, I, think it w- I don't think it would be smart of the Clippers, even though Paul George is a great asset. You know, He was an MVP candidate a year ago. You just gave up five first-round picks. Shea Gildas-Alexander, who's a very good young point guard, improved that, especially in the bubble. And Danilo Gallinari, who's an above-average NBA player, former NBA All-Star. So I think you gave—I mean, you gave up. It wasn't a cha- I don't think it was a championship or bust year. I think they had championship expectations, but I don't see any real good reason to not run it back with the same team. I mean, you gave up five first-round picks for this guy. So I don't think it's worth just trading him after one season. Um, however, he does definitely have to play better in the playoffs. All right, so let's move on to the next uh, off-season uh, move. So the Raptors have a couple big free agents, including Fred Van Fleet and Serge Ibaka, and they're both going to get big money in free agency after playing really well of the past couple of years um, and leading the Raptors to the finals, winning the finals last year, and then this year getting them to the conference semis. So Campbell, we'll start with you on this one. Should the Raptors overpay to re-sign Fred Van Fleet and Serge Ibaka? So uh, first I'll start with Serge Ibaka, and I do not think the Raptors should overpay for him. Um, I think Ibaka could be offered by the Raptors a one-year deal, but I don't think the Raptors should offer him a multi-year deal because they should not waste their money on someone like Ibaka, especially if they want to go after Giannis next offseason. And Ibaka, either way, probably won't accept a one-year deal because depending on how he plays in the latter half of his career, this could be the last time he can sign a four- to five-year deal and get good money for it. And then in terms of Fred Van Vliet, I think that the Raptors... They could go a little higher than they want to, but I don't think they should go anywhere above 25 mil because some teams that really want Fred Van Vliet and really see him playing well in the future could go upwards of $25 million a year, and I just don't think the Raptors should be willing to do that. I think their max should be 25, and they should aim to give him anywhere from 22 to 24. Yeah, I agree with you, Campbell. We were talking about this uh, a few days ago, like I said before. Uh, Sergi Baca, I also agree with you. They shouldn't. I don't think they should pay him more than fifteen million dollars and more than a one-year deal, like you just said. Maybe a, a one-year deal with a team option attached to it. But I don't see Sergi Baca accepting something like that when it's his new contract season. He's looking to get upwards of twenty million dollars. And now going over to Fred Van Vliet. Um, Fred Van Vliet, obviously, he broke out last season in the playoffs, and now he's retained that level of play and he's played really well this entire season. 
I agree. Like Fred Van Vliet, he might be getting offered near $30 million. And I don't know if the Raptors should do that, especially if they want to get, try and get Giannis. Pascal Siakam just got an extension. And if they think that uh, Fred Van Vliet's really worth that, then obviously they should go out and get him. If not, they wait one more season, try and get Giannis and contend for a championship for real. Yeah, I mean, first of all, let me just say, it is ridiculous how much we're, money we're talking about right now. I mean, $20 million, $30 million, that's ridiculous. That's the first thing I want to say. But then talking about this, I think that Serge Ibaka might be worth it to offer him another deal. Two, one, two, year deal. I think that he's worth it. He's a great defensive player. He's really improved his three-point shot, and I think that he's he fits really well with that Raptors team. I think that their chemistry is really good, and they're championship contenders every year. And I think that, yes, they should try to keep Fred Van Vliet. He's all-star potential in my perspective. And I just think that if they want to continue competing for championships, like they basically do every year, they need that another three-point shooter like Fred Van Vliet. He's very important to their team. I think that he's got interest from teams like like the Knicks who can offer him a lot of money and who they want him to be their future of their team. So I don't know. It, it might be tough for the Raptors to contend with other teams, but I think that, yes, their top priority this offseason should be to keep Fred Van Vliet, and if they can – keep Serge Ibaka, or, or if Ibaka leaves, maybe get a player like Montrezl Harrell, who's a feisty player, and that would fit good with that team too. So, Tyler, just out of curiosity, you were saying the Raptors could offer Serge Ibaka a contract. How, how high do you think the Raptors could go on a guy like Serge Ibaka, who last season was getting, like I think, 20, 21 million, and he's coming off what some would say is the best year of his career. So how high would you be willing to go? I mean, I don't really like talking about money like this because it's a lot of money. So I don't want to be like, oh, he deserves this much. Oh, he deserves that much. But if I'm going to answer this question, I would say if he was, he was earning, what'd you say, 20, 21 mil last year? Yeah, I think 21. I mean, he's on, like, like you said, he had a great year last year. I think that the tops that you could offer him is that. I think you have to go lower because, I mean, there's other players that they can go after, but I, He's, he's been with that team, and going into a year where you're not going to be able to do as much still because COVID's going to be around, I think that, yeah, you want to keep him, but I think you have to go 17, 18 mil around there, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. You see, the only problem with that is, I'm going to say this really quick, Andrew, um, if they were going to offer him that much money, they would just have to sign him to a one-year deal or else the odds of getting Giannis would just be all the way down because they just wouldn't be able to get him if they searched Serge Ibaka to a multi-million dollar deal, a multi-year deal as well. So I don't think they should re-sign him, but everyone has their own opinion. I kind of agree with Dean. I'll just quickly say something. The Raptors, um, potentially, uh, if Serge Ibaka asks for over $20 million and you know there's teams out there like potentially the Knicks and other teams that could use point guards that could pay like 20 to 25 million dollars um for a guy like Fred Van Fleet the upcoming free agency class not in 2020 but in 2021 is loaded and we saw what a guy like Kawhi Leonard a superstar could come to Toronto that culture that coaching staff the players they got there Kyle Lowry's a big part of that Siakam's still growing they have a great coach coach of the year and Nick Nurse so it shows that uh, superstars can win there. So I think it's a very attractive destination. Plus, you have a whole country of fans behind you in Toronto and in Canada. So I think it's very, uh, it's a very attractive location for 2021, class 2021 free agents um, and the NBA.
All right, guys. So now we'll move on to our next offseason move. So we're looking at the Chicago Bulls franchise. They, they're not very good. They weren't good last year. They're in the lottery. Um, they have a few good young players, though, one being Zach Levine. He had a breakout season last year, the best season of his career. And there are definitely contending teams and other teams that want young stars that could potentially give the Bulls a lot in a trade package for Zach Levine. So do you guys think the Bulls should be looking for trade and be open to hearing trade offers from other teams for Zach Levine? Dean, we'll start with you on this one. Um, I'm going to say no to this question. I mean, Zach Levine, obviously, he's coming off the best season of his career. And the Bulls getting lucky in the NBA draft lottery, moving up to number four, which puts them in a perfect position to draft whoever they want because their potential pick is MVP of the Israeli League, Denny Avdia. He just won a championship in Israel. Uh, so a potential starting lineup would be Kobe White, Zach Levine, Denny Avdia, Laurie Markkinen, who's trying to get a bounce back season, and Wendell Carter Jr., who's a rising star. If all those guys can stay healthy, I could see them as an eight seed. They weren't far off from making the bubble. I think they were like a game uh, out, of, uh, out of making the bubble. So Zach Levine, if he elevates his game, works on his defense, then I think the, that the Bulls have a decent chance. So I don't think they should just blow it all up, especially after firing probably arguably the worst coach in the NBA at the time, Jim Boylan. They're looking for a new coach. Hopefully they sign Kenny Atkinson, who I want them to hire. That'd be a great hire for them. He's great with young talent, and they have a lot of great young talent. So I could see them as an eight seed. They have a full starting lineup of a bunch of talent and a bunch of firepower. I don't think they should trade Zach Levine unless they have a horrible and lackluster season next season. Okay, Dean, I think that I'm going to agree with you here. There is a simple answer. No, they should not look to trade Zach Levine. Zach Levine is a rising all-star. I think that he could potentially be one of the best shooting guards in the NBA, a top three shooting guard in the next couple of years, if he continues to improve his game. He's a great shooter, very athletic, forward dunk contest winner. I think that Zach Levine is one of the most explosive and entertaining players in the NBA, and I see no reason why they should trade him. He's 25 years old, and I think that – He's a player that you want to build around. I think that maybe a coach like Billy Donovan, who's been known for really improving talent, and as we saw what he did with Shea Gillis Alexander this year, I think that Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen are two very valuable pieces that the Bulls definitely want to keep and build around for the next 10 to 12 years. I think that it is worth keeping Laurie Markkinen and Zach Levine for the future, and I think that they can be two potential all-stars for the next 10 to 12 years to come. So I think that it's definitely worth keeping them and building around them. Okay, I'm going to keep this one short just because I think the answer to this question is pretty clear. No, the Bulls should not trade Zach Levine. As uh, Tyler and Dean said, he's coming off the best season of his career by a lot. And throughout his, I think, five or six-year career, he's only been improving more and more and more. So the future is very bright. As Dean said, they have the fourth pick. They can form a full, very solid starting lineup. So... I think the Bulls could make a run at the eight or seven seed maybe next year. So I would not trade their star players, Zach Levine. I'm going to agree with, uh, I think all of you guys said that they shouldn't trade Zach Levine. There are going to be some teams that will look to poach him from the Bulls and give good offers. But I think if you're the Bulls, you just have to keep Zach Levine and uh, let him uh, decide whether he wants to be there when he becomes a free agent in a couple of years. But in terms of the Bulls, yeah, Lowry Markin and like Dean said, he didn't really have a great year, but he's looking to bounce back. 
And the Bulls, they have the fourth pick. So, I mean, they could get a guy that could fit well and round out that starting lineup. They also have Wendell Carter, who's a good young center. In terms of coaching, I think that someone that would be a good coach for them is actually uh, Mike D'Antoni because he kind of invented the uh, seven seconds kind of offense play style. And Zach Levine, that's what he plays, right? He's super explosive. He's kind of like a Russell Westbrook, but with a better jump shot. He's super fast and he, he pushes the ball and fast break a lot. And he scores a lot of quick buckets at the rim. So I think that that would be someone good to pair with him. All right, now that we've finished talking about Zach Levine and the Bulls, we're going to go to our next offseason move. And this offseason move is a little more unique than the other. It's about several different players, uh, not particularly uh, one team. So in this upcoming free agency class, um, players like Anthony Davis, DeMar DeRozan, Andre Drummond, Gordon Hayward, they all have player options uh, in their contracts. So do you guys think all of those players, do you think they will opt in? Will they opt out? Uh, Why do you think they'll opt in or opt out? I'll start quickly. Um, I think Anthony Davis is probably going to opt out of his one-year deal. And the only reason I say that is I think he's just going to opt out to sign a bigger contract extension with the Lakers. Uh, I don't see Anthony Davis leaving the Lakers. He has LeBron on contract for two more seasons. And, I mean, the Lakers are a perfect home for Anthony Davis. So I don't see him leaving. DeMar DeRozan, he's making a ton of money. I think he's probably going to opt in. I don't think the Spurs are going to pay DeMar DeRozan a super like max contract if he were to opt out and look to go to another team. In terms of Andre Drummond, same thing. He's making a ton of money. So I don't really see Andre Drummond opting out unless a team reportedly tells him or his agent like, hey, if you opt out of your uh, player option, we'll give you a max deal. You could come sign with us. But unless something like that happens to a team, maybe like the Celtics, I don't think Andre Drummond is going to opt out. Gordon Hayward, his player option is like $31 million. I think 99% of NBA players uh, would opt into a $31 million player option. He's also um, in a great situation with Boston. So I see him staying put. I don't see him going anywhere. Dean, what are your thoughts on these players and their player options? I... 100% agree with you on everything you just said. Anthony Davis, he obviously declined the Lakers extension mid-season. And uh, the only reason is because he's looking to opt out of his player option to get the super, super max to get the most amount of money he can. And moving on to the other players like DeMar DeRozan, the Andre Drummond, uh, or Gordon Hayward, all those guys aren't opting out. I mean, they're all on extremely big deals for how good they are. And unless, like you said, unless a team offers them more than what their player option is worth, then I don't see them going anywhere. Uh, It'll probably be Drummond's last season in Cleveland. He probably doesn't want to be in Cleveland for the rest of his career, especially same with DeMar DeRozan. He's looking to compete for a championship, and who knows what will happen to Gordon Hayward as he's coming off another injury, but we'll see. Well, I agree with uh, you guys mostly with Anthony Davis. I think he's definitely going to opt out and take the largest possible contract hopefully, with the Lakers. Um, The one person I sort of am in the middle with is Andre Drummond. I don't think he's going to find the same money per year in a different town, but I don't know how much Drummond wants to be in Cleveland. I don't know many NBA players that are going to want to be in Cleveland. Other than LeBron James, when's the last time they had a big superstar? And he might decline it and take a little less money to be somewhere else. DeMar DeRozan, I think, is going to accept he's not going to find $30 million anywhere else, especially after having two straight underwhelming seasons in uh, San Antonio. 
and Gordon Hayward with that Celtics team in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. He's in the perfect situation. He's sort of gone down since his breakout season in Utah, and there is absolutely no way he's going to find $32 million anywhere else. So I think he should stick it out in this great Celtics organization, go for a championship, and take his money. Okay, you guys have basically said it all. I'm not going to waste you guys' time. I agree with basically all that you guys said. So, yeah. The only t- uh, one that, like you guys said, that I'm unsure about is Andre Drummond. I mean, I would not be surprised if he stayed with the Cavs because he's getting paid a lot of money. But maybe if he wants to go to more of a championship contending team, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. But like you said, Anthony Davis might opt out of his deal just to sign a bigger one with the Lakers. But you know what? You guys covered it all. All right. Uh, we all seem to agree on most of those. So now we'll go to our last offseason potential move for this upcoming offseason. So Victor Oladipo, he's coming off of a season-ending, uh, season-long recovery injury. He came back in the bubble, and he wasn't his normal self. And people are questioning whether he will even get back to his normal all-star self. So it could be smart for the Pacers to look to trade him. So what team do you think either should make a run for Victor Oladipo, or what team do you think the Pacers should look to trade him to in terms of getting assets back to build around DeMontis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, and Miles Turner? Okay, I think it depends on their coaching situation. I think if they sign Mike D'Antoni, then they should keep him because we saw what Mike D'Antoni did with James Harden on the Rockets when he came from the Thunder. And I think that people, there have been rumors saying that if they signed Mike D'Antoni, then he can make Victor Oladipo James Harden 2.0. And I think that, yeah, Victor Oladipo definitely has the skill. He was an all-star. He's a good shooter. He's athletic too. I think that he can maybe, if he can maybe improve his shooting a little more, I think that Mike D'Antoni and that Pacers coaching staff can really do something special to Victor Oladipo. I think that maybe if they don't get Mike D'Antoni and a coach that maybe isn't as established in the league and isn't as good of a producer of talent, then I think that, yeah, they should entertain offers because I think that they can definitely get some value out of Victor Oladipo and help build around DeMontis Sabonis. I'm going to disagree with you, Tyler. The only part I'm disagreeing with you about is the Mike D'Antoni argument. I just don't see that as a valid argument. If they sign Mike D'Antoni, then they don't trade him. If they sign someone other than Mike D'Antoni, then they do trade him. Like, I just don't get what that is. But anyways, I do think that there's one team that stands out to me that should definitely make a run for Victor Oladipo, and that team's Atlanta Hawks. Obviously, there's been a bunch of rumors that the Hawks need uh, a shooting guard, especially Victor Oladipo, who's a great defender on the perimeter. And since the Hawks didn't get lucky in the lottery, obviously they're not going to get Anthony Edwards. Victor Oladipo, he's going to be a free agent next season. The only thing I don't see happening for the Hawks trade is that Victor Oladipo is a free agent in 2021, so it wouldn't really make sense. Tyler's typing in the chat right now who would they trade. The Hawks have endless amounts of young talent. They literally had two top 10 draft picks, so I got you there twice in this argument. And they had two top 10 draft picks last year, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. They could offer one of them in a few picks. So I, I don't think that the Indiana Pacers should uh, trade Victor Oladipo. I think they see what they can get with him. And if they don't like him, then they don't resign him in 2021. That's all there is to it. Well, uh, I actually had the exact same argument as Dean saying they could trade Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, or a pick, something, some combination of the three. The Hawks need a good shooting guard. Oladipo's a good defender. 
obviously if the Pacers don't get the value they're looking for, they can definitely just stick it out and see if Oladipo can have a bounce back season. Yeah, I think definitely the Hawks could be an entertaining team to watch if he goes there. I just don't know if they have enough assets to give to them because I don't think that the Hawks would ever give up two top 10 players from last year's draft. Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, they're two good players that have a lot of potential. A team that I think could definitely trade for Victor Oladipo and that would maybe want to is the Brooklyn Nets. I think that a player like maybe straight up, Spencer Dinwiddie for Victor Oladipo. I think that that is always an interesting trade option because the not, the Nets have a opportunity to become the one seed in the East next year. I think that this is – it's definitely interesting to see what happens with Victor Oladipo. But like I said before, you can say all you want, but I think that the coaching situation matters more than you think it is because if, he, if there's not a coach that can develop talent as well as other coaches, you might not want him as much. All right, so you guys kind of mentioned a lot of stuff. I agree with a lot of you guys on one thing. Uh, in terms of the coaching stuff brought up by Tyler, I feel like it's definitely important who they get as a coach, not per se to trading Victor Oladipo, but just to the team. I mean, it's kind of weird to re-sign your head coach and then fire him a couple weeks later. I don't really understand that. Dean brought up a Hawks trade. The Hawks definitely have the assets and the picks to trade for Oladipo, but I feel like they're just going to roll with their young players right now because this draft class, they could get someone really good with their uh, sixth pick. So I feel like maybe some contending teams, some teams that are maybe in the rebuilding stage, maybe a team like the Thunder could make a move to try to get him back on their team. But some teams might not want to trade for Oladipo because he hasn't been the same since coming back from his injury. So people don't know if he's going to be the same all-star Victor Oladipo that we saw two years ago. All right, so that is going to conclude our main segment today of our off-season moves. Now we're going to transition into our 24-second shot clock segment. I'll be timing you guys, so we'll start with Campbell on our shot clock segment today. The question is, did Giannis deserve MVP, and do you guys think LeBron may have deserved it over Giannis? It was just recently reported that Giannis Antetokounmpo is back-to-back MVPs. Campbell... We will start with you on this one. 24 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin. So uh, in my opinion, Giannis definitely deserved the MVP, and it's not like he was undeserving of it. But I personally think that LeBron was more deserving than Giannis was. LeBron was really more, as, as the award says, LeBron was more valuable to his team. He made all the players around him better. When Giannis wasn't on the court in that uh, Eastern Conference semifinals, his team was doing better. When LeBron's not on the court... The Lakers' offense just looks absolutely lost. So that's why LeBron's more valuable to his team. Definitely a uh, good opinion right there. Dean, we're going to you next. 24 seconds on the clock. Ready? Begin. I'm going to agree with Campbell. I think that LeBron definitely deserved the MVP over Giannis. The MVP stands for most valuable player, not player with the best stats. Giannis obviously put up better stats than LeBron, but there's absolutely no way you can't make a single argument that Giannis is more valuable to his team than LeBron is. And I just think that LeBron definitely deserved it. The Lakers struggle way more when LeBron's not on the floor than when the Bucks do when Giannis isn't on the floor as well. So that's why I think LeBron should have won it. All right, another valid point. Tyler, you're up next. 24 seconds on the clock. Ready? Begin. Okay, I'm going to agree with you too. I think that, yes, LeBron maybe deserved it a little more than Giannis did, but this does not mean that Giannis did not deserve the award. He led his team the number one record in the league 
and he put up crazy good stats. So I think that, yes, LeBron might be a little more valuable to his team because he led them to the Western Conference number one seed in a, on a harder league. And so I think that, yes, LeBron did deserve it more, but I, that does not mean that Giannis didn't deserve it. Now, Dean will be timing me for my 24-second shot clock. Dean, I'm ready when you are. All right, Andrew. We got 24 seconds on the clock starting now. Okay, so I think Giannis is definitely deserving of this MVP just based on what he did this season. His stats were incredible, leading the team to the number one record. I think LeBron might be a little more valuable to that team just because I think if LeBron wasn't on the Lakers, the Lakers, their eighth seed at best, I think the Bucks could be a top like maybe around like the six or five seed without Giannis. I think that they're both equally deserving. I just think that Giannis put up better numbers and that's why he won this award. Definitely a valid take. Just to make something clear, everyone, we all think that Giannis is definitely deserving of this, but the question is, do you think LeBron should have won it over him because it's the most valuable player? And I think that the key factor of this is that the Western Conference is better than the Eastern Conference this year. So I think that that's the deciding factors for us. But we're not saying that Giannis did not deserve it because, I mean, he'll be an MVP candidate every year for the rest of his career. That's all we have for you for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ATBuzzerPodcast and the platform you're listening on today. Along with Campbell Klein, Dean McCollum, and Tyler Fertel, I'm Andrew Lobliner. See you next week. 